Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel according to Matthew. Our, our text today is the same as the last couple of weeks. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15. But as we come to the reading and preaching of God's Word, let's pray and ask God for His blessing on our study this morning. Would you pray with me? Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Kids, uh, fifth grade and below, come up and join me. Good to see y'all. Come on up. All right, come on over here, guys. I got something to show you. Katie poured water from her watering can onto the flower bed. Her mother was planting petunias near the house. Katie, you can water all the flowers, mother told her, looking up from her work except for Daddy's favorite. It's a very special flower called an orchid, and only Daddy knows how much water it needs. Katie watered all the rest of the flowers in the garden, daffodils, rose bushes, violets, irises, buttercups, baby's breath, snapdragons, tulips, and lilies. Some of them were just small plants now that would bloom later in the summer. She knew the water would make the flowers grow more beautiful. Then she thought, Daddy wants his orchid to be beautiful. I'll water it for him too. She put a deep pool of water around the purple flower. Katie did not know that the orchid could only drink a little water at a time. As the afternoon wore on, the orchid began to wilt. Its beautiful blossoms fell to the ground. That evening after dinner, the family went out into the yard to enjoy the cool air. Katie's daddy 
happened to glance over at his orchid. A look of shock and sorrow crossed his face when he saw the withered flower. What happened to my orchid? he asked. Katie hung her head in shame. Why hadn't she obeyed? Finally, she whispered, I watered it. I'm sorry. Tears came to her eyes. Daddy, you're sad because I hurt your flower. Will you still love me? Katie's father took the little girl into his arms. Because you disobeyed, he said, you and I are both sad, but nothing you do will ever make me stop loving you. I'll love you anyways and always. Katie's dad goes on to tell her in the story why he loves her no matter what she does, even if what she does makes them both sad. He loves her and he's ready to forgive her because that's how God loves us. Guys, you remember when Jesus, since Jesus died for our sins and he lives to save sinners like us, when we put our trust in him, God counts you and me just like we never sinned at all. Just like we've done everything right like Jesus did. But he's also done more than that. He's also adopted us as what? As his very own children. That's right, Lane. And that means when we sin today, when you and I sin today, we are just like Katie and her dad. Now, it's true that you and I do wrong against God every day, and that makes him and us deeply sad. Our disobedience breaks our Father's heart. But I want you to think about that story. Now, now what do you think would have happened if Katie never admitted what she did? What, what if she never asked for forgiveness, but acted like she never did anything wrong? Would she suddenly stop being her father's daughter? No. no. No, but she wouldn't really enjoy closeness with her dad, would she? There'd be like a wall was kind of between them. And it's the same way with us. When Christians sin against God, we don't stop being God's children in Christ, but we can't really expect closeness with our Heavenly Father when we're pretending like we didn't kill his orchid. But listen, Jesus teaches us in that prayer that when we come to God as our Heavenly Father, admitting that we've done wrong and asking for His forgiveness, our Heavenly Father sees Jesus' sacrifice for us and remembers it. Our Father looks on us as His beloved children still. And He'll forgive you again and again and again, all for Jesus' sake. Every time you come to Him, He will take you up in His arms and He will say, I'll love you anyway and always. And because our Father in heaven is like that, that's another reason we, why we call this good news. Do you believe it? All right, thanks guys. You can go back. If you haven't already done so, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Sam said we are this morning looking at the fifth petition, 
of the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that uh, Jesus teaches to his disciples. And uh, as I've been saying over the course of the last several weeks, we are, we are looking at this as part of our larger series on, on the means of grace, those means that God has given us to strengthen and sustain our faith in this life. And so we are looking at prayer as a means of grace. And what we've seen is that prayer becomes for us a means of grace, first, when we recognize that we are praying to our Father in heaven, but second, when we recognize that this prayer is meant to order our relationship with our Father in heaven. Over the years, I have read a number of books and articles on uh, productivity. Uh, one of the, the themes that uh, I come across again and again in those books, these, these books that tell us how to make the best use of our time, is, is the importance of setting your priorities in order, not just once a year or once a month, but really every morning. Every morning you have to think about what is it that I'm supposed to do today. If you want to make the most of the limited number of hours that God gives you each day, then, then you must, as the books say, major on the majors. You must do first things first. You must be proactive rather than reactive. Otherwise, you will be subject to what someone has called the tyranny of the urgent. Just, just doing the most urgent thing rather than the most important thing. Because otherwise, if you do not, you will stay busy, but you will not be truly productive, because while you will get things done, you won't get the most important things done. And I want to suggest to you that this idea, well, that, that makes a lot of sense, is, is not original with these books on productivity. It's, a, it's an idea that Jesus is actually uh, teaching us here in the Lord's Prayer. He gives us this daily prayer, and it's a prayer that sets our priorities in order each day. Here in this prayer, Jesus is teaching us uh, the importance of remembering that, that we are called first to honor the glory of God's name. And we are called to, to seek first his kingdom. And we are called to, to do his will. These are to be our, our first and, and top priorities. In fact, we might go farther than that. We might say that these are to be our only priorities. Our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And everything we do, everything else we do, is to be to that end. Everything we do is to be to the end of, of glorifying his name, of, of establishing his kingdom, and of, and of bringing about his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is to be our first, highest, and even exclusive priority. That's what Jesus is teaching us in the first half of this prayer. But when we realize that, that, that transforms the way we see the second half of the prayer. Because in the second half of the prayer, the focus obviously changes. In the first three petitions, as I said, we're praying for God's name and God's kingdom and, and God's will. But in the second half of the prayer, we're praying for our bread and our forgiveness and our protection or deliverance. But it would be a mistake to think that these are somehow unrelated. It's not as if after praying for, for what God wants us to pray for, we now pray for what we really are interested in. But rather, we are praying for what we need in order to seek first God's kingdom. The second half of this prayer sets forth what we need in order to seek that which he has established as our priority. What is it that Jesus thinks we need? In order to seek first the kingdom, in order to, to bring about the glory of God's name, he thinks we need bread, we need forgiveness, and we need protection. 
And we've looked at the first of these already. We, we looked at the request for daily bread last Sunday. We, we saw that, that we need provision, both material and spiritual, if we are going to seek first the kingdom. And this morning we're going to see that just as we need provision, we also need forgiveness. If we are going to seek first the kingdom of God, we need to be forgiven daily. But that raises a question in our minds. If we have been justified in Christ, if, if all our sins have been pardoned and covered by his blood, if his perfect righteousness has been credited to our account, why do we need to ask for forgiveness daily? I know we sin, you know we sin but haven't our sins already been taken care of? Why this, this constant repetition of asking for forgiveness? Hasn't that already been done? That's the question that I, that I think this, this prayer raises in our minds. So, so I want us to begin this morning by, by thinking about our need for forgiveness. And when we see that, I think it will help us understand the relationship between our daily forgiveness and the kingdom of God. Next week, I'll just tell you, we're going to begin, we're going to look more closely at the conditionality of all this. We're going to look at what Jesus says there in verses 14 and 15. I'm not ignoring that. I'm just not going to talk about it this morning. So let's start this morning with our need for forgiveness. Why do Christians need to be forgiven? It's been said that a little theology can be dangerous. Most of the false teachings that have plagued the church over the centuries uh, are teachings that were propagated based upon one or two verses to the exclusion of other things that the Bible clearly taught. For example, an emphasis on the oneness of God has led some to deny the Trinity. An emphasis on Jesus' deity has led some to, to deny his humanity. An emphasis on his humanity has led some to deny his, his deity. An emphasis on the sovereignty of God has led some to deny human freedom. And an emphasis on human freedom has led some to deny God's sovereignty. We, we've seen this over the years. And so a little theology can be dangerous. And we, and we see the same thing here. Another error that, that seems logical to our finite minds, but, but actually is unbiblical, is this idea that a Christian's relationship with God is in no way affected by his or her obedience or lack thereof. This idea is, is rooted in the true doctrine of justification by faith. It is true that we are justified, that we are declared righteous and therefore at peace with God only because of Christ's righteousness imputed to our accounts, credited as if it were our own, and received by faith alone. That is, that is true. It is simply by faith that we are united to Christ and in Christ declared righteous. But that true doctrine can be developed in unbiblical ways. And I think that's what happens when, when teachers suggest that, that a Christian's relationship with God is unaffected by their sin. They, they assume that because a sinner is justified in God's sight on the basis of Christ's righteousness, from that moment forward, when God looks at the sinner, all he ever sees is Christ and his righteousness. God never sees the, the justified sinner's sin again. It's been blotted out. It's been covered over. It's been removed as far as the east is from 
the West. And therefore, God could never be disappointed or displeased or or grieved with his children. He never has anything but joy and delight in them because when he sees them, he sees only his perfect son, Jesus Christ. I'm sure that you've heard this sort of thing before. You've heard that sort of, of teaching the justified sinners have, uh, sins have no effect on his relationship with God because those sins have been taken care of in Christ. And that, that makes sense, sort of. It's logical to our finite minds. And, and it's well-intentioned. It's, it's intended to magnify the, the wonder and the glory of God's grace and, the, and to strengthen the assurance of, of believers so that they can truly rest in what is theirs in Christ. But despite the logic and despite the good intentions... It's just simply not true. It's not what the Bible teaches. It is not in accord with the whole counsel of God. And and nowhere do we see that more clearly than right here. Jesus himself is teaching his disciples. He is teaching those who have believed in him and been given the right to be called his children. He's, He's teaching those who have been forgiven and who have been justified that they must daily ask for the forgiveness of their sins. Now, admittedly, the word daily is not here in the fifth petition, but, but because this petition is part of a prayer in which we ask for our daily bread, it is, it is generally understood that, that Jesus is teaching us to pray this entire prayer daily. It's not just that one petition that we pray daily, it's the whole prayer that we pray daily, and part of that prayer is the request for the forgiveness of sin. So Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray daily for the forgiveness of their sins. Obviously then, Jesus thinks that a disciple's sins need to be dealt with each new day. They are justified. They are righteous in God's sight. They they are at peace with God. And yet, they need to ask forgiveness every day. How are we to make sense of that? We can't just ignore it. (laughs) We can't just move past it. We, We have to deal with it. So how do we make sense of this? If all of our sins are, are, are covered in Christ, if there is now no condemnation for those who are in him, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, why this repetition of the request for forgiveness? One possible answer is the answer that Rome gives, the suggestion that, that our, our justification only dealt with our past sins. We were, we were wiped clean, but now every time we sin, we, we have to sort of re, get re-justified. That's not in accord with what the Bible teaches either. We, we can't go there because, because the Bible doesn't speak that way. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, he says, Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we have now been justified by his blood much, and since we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You hear that repetition of that that little phrase, much more. What's Paul doing there? He is saying that because we have been justified by faith and declared righteous in God's sight and reconciled to our Father, now much more shall we receive our final salvation. God will not fail to bring to completion the good work that he has begun, as he says in Philippians. Or as he says in Ephesians 1, the spirit whom we received in Christ is the guarantee of our inheritance. If we have been justified, we will be finally saved. 
It cannot be otherwise. And so we cannot suggest that our, that our justification dealt only with our past sins. In our justification, we are reconciled to God decisively once and for all time. But again, that leaves the question. If we can't go with the, with the Roman Catholic answer, how do we answer this question? And I think a number of illustrations can can help us at this point. You know that my, my son got married uh, last year. And when a young man uh, marries his college sweetheart, the moment that he says, I do, he is married. And at that moment, he becomes his wife's husband. Till death do they part. But I promise you, there will be times when he doesn't act like a husband towards his wife. Now, I'm not calling out my son, um, calling out myself, if anything. There are times when all of us fail to act like husbands to our wives. There are times when we put our own interests first, when we, when we seek our own way. There are times when we respond with bitter and, uh, bitterness and, and anger towards something that our wife has done. There are times when we simply do not love our, li- our wives well. And when this happens, when we sin against our wives in this way, it doesn't mean that we need to get married again. We are married. We are the husband. She is our wife. But it does mean that we need to seek forgiveness. Why? Because sins harm the relationship. Sins do not undo the union (laughs) The union between the husband and the wife is set, but the communion, the fellowship, has been broken. We can say something similar about a a child's relationship with their father. That's the the book that Sam was reading to the kids, right? When a child sins against their father, he he doesn't or she doesn't need to be adopted back into the family. They are are still the child. The father is still the father. That relationship has, has not been undone. But the child does need to seek forgiveness because the, the fellowship has been harmed. The communion has been broken. The parallel is not exact, of course. No, no illustration is perfect. But I think these examples help us to understand why we need to ask for forgiveness day after day after day. Simply put, we need to deal with our sins on a daily basis Because our sins have a real and detrimental impact on our relationship with our Heavenly Father. They they harm the relationship. They they break, not the union. The union is in Christ. It is unassailable. But they harm the communion, the, the fellowship that we have with God. If we have believed on Jesus Christ, as I said, we are justified. We are safe. We are secure. Our salvation is unassailable. God will not fail to bring to completion the good work that he has begun. But to enter fully into the joy of that salvation, to experience the the joy of that salvation, we need to be in fellowship with our Father. And we cannot be in right fellowship if we are living in sin, if we are living in rebellion against him, if we are going our own way and, and doing our own Things. Our daily sins grieve our Father and incur His fatherly displeasure. They, they cut us off, not from, from Him, but they cut us off from the joy 
of our fellowship with him. Think of Psalm 51 where where David is confessing his sins and, and seeking to be restored. What does he say? He says, restore to me what? The joy of your salvation. That's what David is getting at. He, he, he didn't cease to be justified, but he felt God's hand heavy upon him when he, was, when he was walking in unconfessed, unrepented sin. And he needed God to forgive him and to restore to him the joy of the salvation that was unassailably his in Christ. So let me say it again. Our union with Christ, which is the, the ground of our eternal hope, it is not undone by our sins. But our communion with God is harmed. And therefore, we must daily deal with our sins in order to maintain that relationship. Some of you, maybe maybe many of you, have, have experienced times where you felt cold and empty in your walk with the Lord. You felt dry and, and weary. <laughs> You, you, your hearts were not filled with love. You, you did not know the, the joy of your salvation. You did not know that, that peace that uh, is unassailable. God seemed to you to be distant. Maybe you're there even this morning. Maybe even this morning you are, you are in that dark place. You're, you don't want to admit it. You don't want to say it out loud. But, but as you sit here, your, your relationship with the Lord feels to be anything but intimate. You're still going through the motions because that's what you're supposed to do. But you're not sure God is actually there. Now, I don't want to suggest that if that is where you are this morning, that it is automatically, necessarily because of unconfessed sin. There are other reasons why a Christian might experience a dark night of the soul. And if that is where you are this morning, I would, I would love the opportunity to, to talk with you. But I do want to suggest to you that one possible reason... While you may be experiencing that distance from God, it's because you are living with unconfessed sin. Now, it's probably not obvious sins. We're, we're pretty good at, at confessing the obvious sins. If, if it was sexual immorality or if it was uh, malice towards your neighbor, you would know it. Those sort of high-handed sins are, are obvious. They're, they're difficult to ignore. And, and, and we are usually, by God's grace, good at, at acknowledging those sins and, and confessing those sins. But there are other sins that can separate us from God that are, that are far more subtle. We see that in just the language that Jesus uses here to describe sin. Think about what he says. Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, again, I'm going to talk about the conditionality of all that next Sunday. But this, this morning, just simply notice that, that sin is a debt. Sin is a failure to give to God what we owe Him. It is a failure to give to God what is rightfully His. And so, yes, when, when we violate one of His commands in a, in a high-handed and, and blatant way... Uh, we are in his debt because we owe him obedience. But we also sin in more subtle ways when we fail to honor him as God. When we fail to seek first the the glory of his name. When we fail to to do his will. When When we fail to devote ourselves to him without reservation or qualification. When we when we fail to offer ourselves to him as living sacrifices, 
when we make something else or, or some other thing, our, our ultimate ambition, our chief end, when that's what we're really living for, when that's what we're really pursuing, we are failing to honor God as God, and therefore we are incurring a debt. We are sinning against him. And when we sin in these ways, when we, when we sin by, by not seeking first his kingdom, when we sin by, by going our own way and doing our own thing and pursuing our own ambitions, when we sin in these ways, we are harming our relationship with him. We are undermining our fellowship with him. We are cutting ourselves off from the joy of his salvation. This is, again, what the, the scriptures clearly teach. It's, it's why the, the psalmist says in Psalm 66, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, you would not have listened. It's not that cherishing iniquity in his heart would have undone his justification. He, he still would have been a child of God, but he would have broken his fellowship with God. He would have broken that conversational relationship with God. That's why Peter instructs husbands to love their wives well for the sake of their prayers. If they, are, if they are not loving their wives well, it will impact their relationship with God. Again, as I've said, it is, it is simply not the case that because we are justified by, in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, that our sins have no relationship or have no effect on our relationship with God. Our sins do have an effect, and they need to be dealt with daily. We need to deal with our sins every day. So let's think about what that means for us. If you're a Christian experiencing sort of a coldness, a dryness, a lifelessness, if, if, if you are devoid of the joy and the peace that the scriptures so often talk about, if, you're, if your love for God is a, is a smoldering wick about to go out, then you need to ask yourself, you need to consider the possibility that it is because you have cut yourself off from the joy of your salvation by not dealing with your sin, by not daily bringing your debts to God and asking his forgiveness. We need to do this because we need to be in fellowship with God. We need to be in right relationship with him. I, I know I have at times experienced those, those dark nights of the soul. I have had those moments where I have, I have complained that God seems far off, that my heart seems dry. And, and while I would never say it out loud, I have thought in those moments, it's God's fault. <laughs> it's God's fault. He's far from me. He's keeping his distance. I'm doing everything I know how to do, and, and he just isn't there. But the truth is exactly the other way around. As sinners, we, we want to blame God, but so often when we are experiencing that darkness, when we are experiencing that dryness, when we are experiencing that, that coldness, it's because we have distanced ourselves from God. We are not seeking first his kingdom. We are not living to the praise of his glory. We are living for ourselves, seeking our own ways, following our own interests. And we wonder why God isn't with us. God himself says, return to me and I will return to you. Jesus says, go forth in obedience and I will be with you. If you lose your life to follow, my, to follow me, you will find life and you will find it abundantly. These are the promises of God. 
And so we daily need to bring our sins before God. We daily need to ask His forgiveness, not because our ongoing sins cut us off from Christ and salvation, but because they cut us off from the blessing of His presence and His favor. This is what we need to understand. Just as a person must keep short accounts with his his wife or his child or his friend in order to, to fully enjoy that relationship, we must keep short accounts with God. Because it is only as we keep short accounts with God that we know and experience and enjoy the full blessing, the full joy of his salvation. That salvation that is ours in Christ by faith alone. This is why he makes forgiveness one of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. This is, this is why this is something that we must ask for in order to live the life we've been called to live. You see, you need that fellowship. You need God to be with you if you are going to live to the praise of his glory. And you can't do that. You, you can't live in communion with him if you are living in unconfessed sin. And so, my challenge to you this morning is simple. My challenge to you this morning is to, is to not only learn to confess your, your big sins daily, but learn to confess that your heart is inclined towards another. That your heart is inclined towards counterfeit gods. That your, your heart is inclined to, to go in, in other ways. Confess those sins before God. Not so that you can be resaved. You, you are secure in Christ but so that you can be restored to the joy of what is rightfully yours as a child of God. Learn to confess your sins daily, knowing that the price has already been paid, knowing that forgiveness has already been secured. It is there for the asking. You don't have to wonder whether or not he's going to forgive you. He will. In Christ, forgiveness is yours. You just simply must ask. Confess your sins and ask for it, and he will pour it out with abundance. He will restore to you the joy of his salvation. He will rekindle your love and cause it to abound more and more. He will fill you with that peace that surpasses understanding. He will give you that joy inexpressible that is not quenched even by difficult circumstances. He will give you all that is yours in Christ if you will daily confess your sins and ask. And because all of these blessings are ours for the asking, because all we must do is come before him confessing our sins, and he will be faithful and just to forgive us. And he will be faithful and just to, to restore us to, to the full joy of our salvation. Because all of that is secured for us in Christ. That is one reason we call this good news. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's believe it together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the wonder of this gospel. Father, the call to forgive or the call to seek forgiveness can be intimidating. It, it can be, it can make us feel vulnerable, Father. May we know, Father, that when we ask, the answer is already secured by the blood of your Son. May we know that all we must do is confess and come, and that you will be gracious to receive us. Father God, open our eyes to the truth of our sin that we might confess it daily and that we might be, have restored to us the full joy of the salvation that is ours in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.